Wait, why is this one diagonal? Like odd? That one's here. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, there's one for each of us, bro. That one's all three of you. This one's you two. Mm -hmm. oh. Aaron gets one for himself. Look at him. <laughs> Look how gassed he is. Camera adds on 10 pounds, doesn't it? That's why you shouldn't have it. <laughs> <coughs> That'll progress into yeah, literally, stuff. The thing with this is like, for example, Liam and I have done it in the past. We don't even need to plan like the mm -hmm. is in we you throw me yeah. anything. Like that's the thing with contracts and about like whatever reputation. Mm -hmm. Bro, throw me any question, man will handle it. I'll smack that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a looking pain. <laughs> Never. No. Glow. Cool. Oh, it's okay, we got my only good side. <laughs> I might take my glass off. No. That's going straight in. All right, the vision is clear. <laughs> Should see my eyes. <laughs> yeah, this is already, already all right welcome to another episode of the third wheel i'm one of your hosts hamish and i'm the other host aaron and today we've traveled to reading to be joined by a guest where we also actually have video on this episode but not on our channel and his name is alec hey yeah i'm alec and i know aaron well we go back don't we yeah yeah back in the day Back in the day, Aaron and I were working together, London tech scene, and yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, you actually went Warwick, so the yeah, same as I us. Yeah, I went Warwick as well, but I'd never met Hamish. No, no, but we never met before we started working together. Really? really? No, I mean you, me and you. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. I still saw Aaron, I don't know, occasionally. It's hard, it's hard to find a computer science lover. Yeah, yeah, but it's easy to spot a big name. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, you were doing economics? Yeah, so undergrad economics. Um, yeah, man, what I mean, Warwick was a blast. <laughs> I really yeah, it. been yeah. time. So, but more recently now, um, doing computer science, so more up your street. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of crazy. Like, how so you're doing computer science at Reading? Yeah. Yeah, why did you switch from economics to computer science? So, um, after graduation, I was yeah, the economics, I had my economics degree. I was kind of in the workplace. Um, I guess it was, we can even go back further than that. We're even back when Fanbox, that was second year. So that was like, three yeah, that was like ago. summer. Well, different summer. for 2017. Yeah, yeah. But so we were a year above you. Yeah. So I was a year above you. So, yeah. So different year group. That time, I remember watching like Aaron work, even at the time, like uh, Mitch. So all the all the technical guys, and I was just like, I really, I was fascinated by all the work you do, and I wanted to, of course, like learn more. And then, especially after, so after graduation, getting into the workplace, I became a bit disillusioned with the sort of work I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, I guess also other influences in terms of what I've read. Um, I guess Life 3.0 is like a book of, for example, an AI that I read. And that was kind of talking about the potential, like if you were able to program what you could do, essentially it gives you power. It gives you an ability to do things that others can't. So building on all of these kind of influences and inspiration, I took it to like Code Academy and I started self-teaching. So I started with a Python, a bit of SQL in there as well. And I literally just stuck with it like for throughout that whole year after graduation. There's a whole year just kind of building up knowledge, starting very slow. I remember when like wild loops and stuff like that they used to throw me <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> I, like, I didn't like I got confused the data straight. Oh, it was all it was all a mess, but it was kind of something persistent over time. 
And then I got to a point where I remember saying, oh, I'm getting all right at this. And I decided maybe to kind of understand where I was to understand my ability. I was like, I'm going to apply for a master's like locally in Reading. I was like, there's, there's not much risk. I'll get rejected. Cool. Whatever. And, um, gave, showed them like sent over like my portfolio work of things I've been doing. The course on Code Academy is exceptional. Like even has like machine learning, like AI topics. Yeah, it's free as well, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, actually you pay for the, I play, I pay for the pro plan. Cool. So you get load of other stuff that's next level man. i never paid for that so you might be better than me but. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no nowhere near but so then doing that and then i submitted as well and then yeah got accepted at reading then even more so and then like i'm grateful to reading uh submitting more kind of like uh more of my work and stuff like that. i end up getting a partial scholarship for the uni as well so I'm now doing, yeah, masters at Reading in computer science from economics. But I, th- I guess I can tell one main difference is I found with economics again, and this is a complaint of like many economics uh, students down to the fact that a lot of what you learn is quite abstract and not maybe applicable to the real workplace. I found my study, self-study in particular, more than my actual academic study of computer science, but it's just you have something to take directly to the market and it enables me to do kind of work, like deep work, work that I was very like interested into and allowed me to think. I was having a problem at work where the, the roles I was involved with, I wasn't really thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I suffered as a result. So yeah, it's kind of a transition, but as you guys, yeah, it's just, I guess the computer science is more of an, in some ways is an insurance policy. So with a degree, you have like a minimum floor um of like what you can do with a degree because you can take that to work and say yeah i have a minimum level of qualification but it's also just an opportunity to explore kind of topics i'm interested in natural language processing is something that i'm going to look into more and it's something that's kind of taken my interest particularly with um sami yeah actually it's quite interesting you said like how people can program a like it's like a superpower or something. Mm. I remember actually quoting Will I Am in my university personal statement because <laughs> he released like a video, or it was, it was from an organization called like code.org, which was kind of like growing around that time we were applying for university. And it was like Barack Obama, Will I Am, and all that. They made a video like yeah. how they were saying, like, there's just such a shortage of jobs. I mean, there's so many jobs for computer scientists, but yeah. so little computer scientists. And Will I Am was like, Oh yeah, you're the rock stars of the future. All that. I remember putting up a personal statement. Like, yeah, so bang oh, mug. That's, that's why I got accepted into Warwick, you know? Yeah, come on. And that's why he's such a great front end. Oh yeah, stop for. it, stop it. Um, <laughs> how do you find like Warwick compared to Reading? I guess it's different because Reading, you're at home. Yeah, um, so there is a huge difference in what university means uh, compared to my Warwick days and now Reading days. So Reading days is very much a focus on the actual content of the degree. It's more like work mm-hmm. as in there's less of the fun side of uni. There's more of the getting your stuff done. It's been quite intense, of course, going into a master for like self-teaching because you don't have a lot of the kind of, uh, background. Like I've been learning the background, probably what you guys would have covered in undergraduate and then more to get into the master's level. So there's been a lot of that involved. Um, It's been quite, uh, I guess, it's more like, I guess, in isolation. Like Warwick was very social. 
where it was very social, there was a lot more, particularly in Warwick, I made more of an emphasis on getting involved in projects outside of the actual course and the degree. Hmm. But um, Reading now is literally just focusing on, I guess, a degree and then the out external stuff happens outside of uni. Yeah. What kind of things, what kind of projects did you get involved in uh, at well, Warwick? Yeah. At Warwick. So um, Warwick was where, like third year was where I founded um, Sami. Uh, during that third year, so actually we'll go across the whole time. So I've represented a lot of um, companies during my time at Warwick. So like for like Campus Ambassador. Oh, Finamize. Yeah, Finamize that. was one. <laughs> um, so did he actually. You oh, yeah. um who did I? Oh, who's you always try to get us to sign up to something? Oh, Circle. Oh, Circle, yeah. 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 So, oh, so cool. yeah, different. So like there's brand ambassador roles. So um, one thing was Frontline, which is helping to get uh, graduates into social work. Uh, did bits for PwC, SEO London, and Finomize. Those are like campus like roles mm -hmm. or campus ambassador roles, you call them. I also used to be the chair of the SSLC for so student staff okay. liaison committee for economics and then as a result of that sat on two committees one was like teaching and learning one was the undergraduate management committee um so with lecturers basically uh giving a student voice as to how the course can be improved um on any as in as it says in the title like various aspects of teaching and learning about the course i used to essentially represent the student voice for economics were there any like big changes that happened while you were doing that so in terms of so one i think uh quite interesting change was the idea of like coffee coffee like revision sessions so what would happen before and what we have in economics i presume is the same in uh computer science there was a lot of end of term examinations did you have many end of term Not really. no oh, okay. it was like, only at end of year yeah, exams of, yeah. oh right so in economics we had like end of year end of term tests okay and then we had end of year examination as well as assignments in some cases okay so these end of term tests would act as assignments in some cases and um for many of these tests many people felt un unprepared because as you know in warwick you have it's like 10 week term <laughs> goes extremely quickly and then what would happen in the final the, the tests tend to be in week 10 and a lot of students are panicking because they're still going to lectures but they have to revise for these tests and then <laughs> on top of all the other stuff they're doing so then these revision uh like these coffee revision meetings were there with lecturers who do like kind of like more casual revision if you have any questions where you can ask us over coffee and cake so forth and that's provided we ran like uh, for example feedback sessions on various aspects like trying to engage with the uh um, the actual like student uh, the economics community student community there trying to get ideas for like improvements to the course as well and I remember, for example, we had, oh, what was it? So one thing I it was, it was charity work, but it was directly related to, so I can't remember the measure, but there's, for example, our, every course has a measure of like, I guess, student satisfaction. Yeah. I'm trying to think of exactly what that measure was. It was like, and National Student Survey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. NSS. Yeah. Yeah. So for National Student Survey, we had to, um, I had to encourage people to submit their answers. They and the economics department had a threshold. So I remember hosting like a pizza uh, stall outside the economics undergraduate <laughs> office to get people to um, sign up. Um, we raised about 
over and because based on the more people that answer these surveys <laughs> the more money they raise for warwick cancer research so warwick does okay research on cancer actually at the universities not like actual cancer is the charity mm -hmm. um so he raised about 800 pounds for that and then i also used to do career so i used to be a careers and skills representative for economics and that's where i did various talks to like undergrads second years sometimes even third years on just like career planning and um yeah, that kind of tied in with the SSLC stuff. Yeah. So economics, the more people that answer the survey that funded the... Yeah, the charity. Thing. So the department would give money depending on the, the, the response rate of um, the students. I think computer science, they just gave it... They just gave some people Amazon vouchers. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, um, it was the Warwick, ETAP Warwick vouchers. So you had to, spend, oh, the it? money was always in Warwick and you got no oh, option. Yeah, we, no, people, I think people still got like five pound credit on that, but we had a charity thing as mm -hmm. well on top. And I was just I swear to, people got like Amazon stuff as well. Not from that. Like maybe in the last year. I think each department had its own yeah. Yeah. initiative. But like funding <laughs> the oh, no, cancer research win, is pretty good. Someone did win a massive, like a, a large amount of Amazon, but that was also part of it. Yeah. I might be just thinking of a coursework project or something. Yeah. yeah. I think you're thinking of like the dissertations. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, also, just to clarify, I wasn't a, a brand ambassador for a circle. Basically, what happened was I was supposed <laughs> to get an event and I, I needed to get collect money from everyone. Yeah. But I noticed that this app basically made it so that I could also get £5 for each referral. Yeah. So they, they sent me the exact amount for the event. It all worked out. So the more people that signed up to it, I obviously got a bit more money from it. But wasn't you a brand ambassador for something? No, that it was during, only that. But like I had to, I was technically signed up as it, but I was I was only doing it for one event. Uh, yeah, and just to collect money and <laughs> I thought, I thought was, yeah, yeah i thought there was something else as well yeah, yeah i did nothing like i did work outside of uni like some of the startups yeah, i worked yeah. on but i didn't do anything like uh, within the department, department kind of stuff yeah no um i i think i mean as you said like warwick is fantastic for that and i think even going to other universities you see it but um warwick's fantastic for the amount of contribution that a lot of students give to like their extra um like I would say extra creation is such a uh, horrible term. Yeah. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like actually yeah. following like their interests. Mm -hmm. Or as well, I used to do, so the work incubator. So I went through that okay, with Sami. Yeah. Um, it wasn't actually Sami at first. That's an interesting story. My first startup idea was to do with cars and advertising. It had nothing to do with books. What was what was that? Um, so well, I, I remember had, at Fanbytes, you, you like, maybe half jokingly like said a few like startup ideas to me yeah because you used to sit opposite each other and i remember there was one about like some mineral water or something yeah. <laughs> maybe something so, else i used to i used to basically because at this time of course i had no my thought with the startup is just i would test ideas off like aaron and i remember one time i remember it was one lunch break aaron and i went out so i think it's to the market Remember the market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole trip, I was just testing Aaron with just startup ideas. Like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Could you build something like this? Could you build <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. Um, just because, just like a, I was like, yeah, just like a happy puppy, just uh, asking about <laughs> all these questions. Like, what can you do with this? What can you do with that? Um, yeah, so yeah, work in work incubator, which was another thing in third year. Mm -hmm. My original idea for a startup then, as you know, like I was always trying to think of ideas, but yeah. going into that, my idea was advertising on the side of um, cars. So you know how Uber, for example, Wait, Uber car has a panel on the side of it yeah. that says Uber. Yeah. I thought any company could advertise via that mechanism. 
Did you come up with this at Fanboids? No. Like, or think. This was later. Aaron's memory cool. always, always jumbles, so I want to take but, you over. Yeah, but uh, then yeah. Um, I probably must have said something like this, and then you probably, and then Aaron's <laughs> like, uh, Aaron probably said, Alec, like, just focus on your work. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, distracting him all the time. But the, yeah, and so it came up with that idea. And then one thing, it was just something I had and then I just wasn't, you know, just think of ideas, but if you don't, you can have as many ideas as you want, but if you don't act on it and you don't do something like, for example, get an MVP, then it's clearly there's something there. I believe, you know, when people procrastinate and people say procrastination is bad, I think. Aaron. <laughs> he gets yeah, a job. Enough. <laughs> fair enough. But when people, when you procrastinate, I think many of us look, judge ourselves like unprocrastinating is a bad thing. Sometimes now, when I think I procrastinate on something, I kind of tell myself it's probably something I'm not really interested in doing. So try to eliminate it. As, uh, either oh, that's, eliminate that's a good way. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be eliminating everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because people don't procrastinate on things they want to do. So that's the way I looked at it. And then the idea for Summy, I literally pitched it in a work incubator. Um, so how did the switch come, first of all, like so, from the car thing? What made you think to kill off the car idea? Yeah, so what happened is we went to London and we yeah. went on like some startup field trip. Uh, and <laughs> uh, there were two guys there. One, there was a guy who works with startups, but on the legal side. So he works um, like for, for example, like co-founder agreements. He works on all the legal documentation for startups. And there was another founder there and we were in a WeWork. And I basically told them my idea and they basically like ridiculed it and said it was rubbish and stupid. And I didn't really have anything to say. And I was like, that's very unlikely. And then I think that was another signal at the time, which was like, I wasn't willing to really defend my idea. Mm -hmm. So it's another reason to say, you're not really fully committed behind what you're saying. And yeah, they kind of shredded it. And at the time I was like, oh dear, like my idea, that's not going to fly. So I was at the time, I was a bit like thinking, Oh, what, what can I do? I really want to do something. And then I think with a lot of ideas and, and you hear this a lot as it becomes more of a cliche in kind of startup circles where you ask founders, Oh, so how do you come up with this idea? And you found, and you find out and then all they say, Oh, I was trying to solve my own problem. Yeah. Or I was trying to, I literally just extracted something I was doing anyway and just turned it into, turned it into a business. And I think the idea with Summy is like taking books, um, creating like articles based on the content of books, which I found the most fascinating was just something I was already doing. And it, well, I was reading them for sure. And it was just kind of putting it out there so other people could benefit from it. And it was just a natural extension to what I was doing. And then we were well, on meeting, we had like a seminar session and it was on presenting your startup idea. And I literally just went up there. I hadn't even- This was with Warwick Incubator. And this was with Warwick Incubator. I I went up there and I just pitched Summy. Like Summy wasn't even Summy at this Mm -hmm. point. I just pitched the idea. And the way I could just pitch it, it just came so natural natural at the time. And it just just made sense. And everyone was a bit like, but Alec, you were talking about this startup, car startup thing. (laughs) What happened? But it just pitched. And then at the time- um, the guy there, the guy who was actually taking a session actually got in Forbes 30 under 30, uh, I think last year. And it was just everyone was just saying like, oh, like, it just sounded so, it was so natural. And then I got asked to like present it again. And then I was I knew like, cool, this is something that is very close to heart. Because if it's easy to speak about a topic, that probably means you have, you've had some interest in it. It's hard to speak about topics you don't yeah. care about. Yeah. 
so after that session then how did you end up creating like a website on it and all of this stuff for it like how did that how did all of you build all these steps into it because you just kind of said oh i ended up with a startup and i already had it live like yeah (laughs) so um how to build it so there's a combination of things. So that was kind of putting it out there. At the time, I was writing a lot on LinkedIn and getting good feedback. Yeah, good feedback on stuff I was writing. So it was the like merging the two together created, I said, build the website. And I said, using like a WordPress. It's like, it's very simple. I just literally going on WordPress, um, put it up all in a weekend, put all the articles and stuff I had, and then went from there. And then like, asking people, genuinely just asking people. Well, first of all, people like signed up, supported it. But then uh, to actually build up the email list, it was just a case of asking people, uh, do you want to sign up? Uh, this, is what I'm, this is what I'm presenting. This is my value offering. And um, of course, in Warwick, it's like you, uh, you get to know a lot of people. And yeah. it's presented uh, mainly just speaking to people at Warwick and just be like, oh, here's what I'm doing. Are you interested? And, and a lot of people supported it. And even to this day, I'm very grateful for a lot of people that have kind of stuck with it. Yeah. So Sami, do you have like a elevator pitch as such? Like, what is it for like people that don't know? Don't know. So Sami takes, so from my view, so I write all the articles, but Sami takes the best ideas from from the, essentially, I believe the best nonfiction books and turns those ideas into like thought pieces, thought essays, like articles. So, so you're taking like a specific topic from yes, or anything that particularly resonates with me in a book. Mm-hmm. So, if I if I read a book and whatever really sticks out to me, I think this is really interesting to write about. Then I will take that take that topic and kind of illuminate certain ideas covered in the book. Maybe bring in other influences, other books I've read. Um, they're just thought pieces, just essays. Yeah. Um, and books are just the, the kind of the reference point, the like the thing that holds it all together. Yeah. Um, and there's been an evolution in Summy because of that, because initially started as book summaries. Then you got to be aware of when you're running into competition. So like kind of the Peter Thiel zero to one mentality is where, um, like for example, there are many other companies like Blink, like for example Blinkist, which does like summaries on okay. books. Yeah. So one way was like cool. I'm not aiming here to have as many summaries as possible. I want to go for depth. Uh, that's the way I think I can win if it's going deep on things. So my aim is just anything that really stands out, anything I find particularly interesting from the books I read, I will just write an article on it. It also helps me a lot because it helps me understand the topics and mm-hmm. the ideas and books I'm covering. Um, so yeah, that's really, yeah, as an elevator pitch is just like big ideas, interesting essays, I guess. Yeah, so... How did you, did you, do you actually get revenue from it or is there a plan to get revenue from so, it? So right now, so I'd say, so that what I do for work, so I'm not just studying, I also work and my work is largely like, is based upon the work I've done for Summy. So the way I look at it right now is like, Summy has served as a portfolio for yeah. other work that I'm doing at the moment, um, which my work is largely, again, in the role of like academia. So working with one startup and, Essentially, what we're doing is they're a they teach A levels um, for a course and also through like uh, tuition. So I help answer questions on economics, math, physics, sometimes psychology um, to A level students. I also uh, do some quality assurance on their courses. For example, if questions in Korea or questions like need to be worded better, then I kind of work on that side as well. And that's entirely kind of basically that's self employment. But that's Sami got me there. As in, it's not a direct, I don't make revenue from 
articles like it's not at that like stage. no like ads on the site and stuff like that yeah it's just that there are a lot of um because of the work from summy it's allowed me to uh, for example go uh to this time and say this is what i do this is what i can do and um yeah it worked out and it kind of you work for yourself and that's the situation i'm in so i can call it like yeah money from summy if you want to call it that <laughs> yeah. i guess the same like web development when i first started out i wasn't well, I, I charged for projects, yeah. but I probably charged a little less. And there were some projects that I was probably happy to just do for free. But then that builds a portfolio and probably helps you get jobs. Um, so it's in a similar instance, like you're writing, doing it off your own back shows that you have a passion for it and yeah. helps like employers see that. A hundred percent. I think it's a bit like as programmers, for example, like having like your GitHub, like you're getting those projects up there and then you're going to employers and saying, <laughs> I, like, I can do these things here are my projects to show I can do it. And I think that's just a generally good, um, that's a good philosophy, I think, for any any role, any sort of work. I was having a discussion uh, with Liam, actually, a close friend of mine. So Liam was, is looking to go into like documentary and filmmaking. And one of the best ways he said to kind of go into that was actually producing a documentary. And what do you know, he started, he's working on a documentary and then by submitting work from that documentary, got a job in the documentary space shout out liam shout out liam (laughs) behind the cameras (laughs) at the back but um yeah so i think is a good mentality to have is and one thing i carry is that if you want to get in a field of work especially as you're young and you don't have this i guess sometimes i would doubt the credibility of this thing about all five years ten years experience but if you don't have that best way to go in is say look i can do this work here's my project and go forward with that. It puts you in a much better position uh, for negotiating things on your own terms. Yeah. Do you have any plans for like earning direct revenue from Summit? So not at the, moment? Um, the thing with Summit, so one thing is advertising. Well, like where is it now with like your university work and your job? Are you still finding a lot of time to? So I, reading is sort of intrinsic to my daily schedule. Okay. Um, more the reading, like, so so somewhere now, like every night I read and I sometimes read for too long and then go well, well into the night and then I wake up late and the pattern recurs over and over. But how Summy is kind of progressing. So there's a lot of, Summy can be thought of as a website. Summy can also be thought of like as like my sort of philosophy and kind of path, I guess, in life. Um, the The one thing with, Summy right now is like writing has, um, there's less writing at the moment because I've been dedicating time to other projects, but I'm still, I'm always reading. So I always have content kind of going through my head in, in order to be able to write things. But then this is where the computer science stuff comes in because one thing like in terms of projects getting involved with and one area of interest in particular for me is like, said like natural language processing. And it's like one thing now yeah. was before I used to write, um, articles and take information from books. And then now I'm looking at, would a computer be able to do that? And if a computer can do that, what is the potential for, for example, like chatbots? Chatbots is very interesting to me. Like, um, particularly in work I'm doing where you're having to communicate with, for example, students uh, via the internet. My work is entirely remote. There wouldn't be, what would be the chances or what is the possibility that instead of having me in the loop, I'd have like a, a generative chatbot that can make conversation and answer questions on like economics, 
maths, physics. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like an area and that ties in with SUMMI because if you're like looking at looking uh, processing information, I'm looking at how maybe I can harness algorithms to do that as well. So yeah. it all ties in, I guess. But monetization wise, with plans for that, I'm I'm worried because I don't want to ever be in a position where I have to like like I ever rely on an income. Main like a lot of people make money through, for example, in this case, like writing through advertising. Then the problem with advertising that advertising can also affect your incentives and your ability to say what you want, mm -hmm. so forth. So there is a trade-off to monetize. There is a trade-off to monetization. So one thing I would like to be able to do with some is obviously write exactly what I want and not have to filter any deadlines. For example, if I had to fit certain deadlines because my partner or sponsor said you have to write this many articles per month, I'd be screwed. <laughs> so I'm open with it. Um, I more use it to make money in other areas. However, we'll see where things go. I my mentality is less. I would less. I'd like to have product. I like selling products. Like not. I don't like having the product. Is kind of. I don't like the marketing kind of route with things because I think it limits me creatively. But if you have like a, a product based on that, then you could. It's, it's your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say. Well, I mean, you answered kind of answered this question. I was gonna say. What if like the like author of the book here just paid you like x amount of money and then you could just release it like whenever mm. and well then i guess that does match into your point with would it like change how you've written the article in some way i yeah. guess so the idea about having an author pay so one thing i have and what i like to do is for example there are books somehow i read bo books and i don't like them and i probably won't write about them i don't ever want to be in a position where if an author has paid and, and then i don't particularly like the book or they've said oh we if you read this but you get this and then you're kind of in a conflict of interest but you don't want to say i don't it's a bit of a, it's a bit of sticky even while. when they say like i see a lot of like i watch a lot of like tech youtube yeah. um like people get paid to like review products and tech yeah. products and always like yeah these this company has sent me these to review but they haven't like paid me to say anything so this is an honest review but then there's probably something in the back of your mind where like they've been kind enough to send that to you so you don't even if the product's bad you probably don't want to say it's as bad as you think so it's still not completely honest it's it's a bit like um so a good book on this is like um influence uh robert cal caldini cialdini i think it's an italian surname but um a fa very famous book like um influence and it talks it's about the science of persuasion but it's this idea of like you can once you've received something so the idea of reciprocation is an extremely good tool for persuading someone to do something because we naturally feel in debt. As soon as you've received something, you're naturally going to feel in debt for that thing. So as Aaron has explained, even if they said like, oh, here's a product and you can review it, say whatever you want, because they've taken, have the generosity to give you a present, you're automatically going to be inclined to be like, yeah, I don't want to be a bit of a, yeah, you know, I don't want to be mean about their product yeah. because they had, yeah, they were good to give me um, a free copy or a free sample or however it goes but yeah it, it's it's a decision that a lot of people in the space if you're a blogger youtuber i mean it's become very popular now like oh become instagram famous and then sell i don't know diet teas and gummy <laughs> yeah. bears and uh yeah that's the way forward but i think uh we had i think it was lucky for us aaron because we had a particular experience working at example like at fan bites because that's the sort of work we were doing we were influencer marketing we got to see the 
kind of, I don't say the dark side of it, but we saw the inner workings. Also saw like how these influencers like work and like, it also made me doubt kind of with social media. My view on social media has changed a lot since those days as well. What was changed about it? So in like the actual consumption of social media. Yeah. So what did you think before and then afterwards? So one thing is back, back in those days, we used to have a lot of fun. I guess one thing that it showed me is how things can be, um, what you see on your timelines, what you see, um, like all these stats measurements is there's a lot of manipulation going on, hmm. uh, which can happen both on influencers part behind the scenes by companies. Um, a lot of things is paid. There's a lot of money going around to put things in front of your face. Like it's not all by there by chance and things can be very subtle that you won't notice it. It's the same way like, oh, now they have to say if it's an ad. Uh, no, but what if- yeah, Hashtag ad. You can have like, yeah, exactly. You can have uh, someone like a famous rapper and everything he's wearing in that photo is sponsored, but he, you could just say, oh, he picked out that t-shirt or that item of shoes. There's a lot of things which are subtle and go behind the scenes, but it's also a case of, for me with social media, at the time I realized we spent a lot of time with it. It was our job. Um, so it was like, you had to kind of be aware of it. But now I'm coming away from that. I kind of see how social media affects people's like concentration, attention. Um, I hardly use, I don't have any of the social media apps on my phone. It's, I think the main things are concentration, and going deep in things. I think it's a very, people, a lot of, you build a habit with social media and you use it as a distraction. It's very easy, like people passively do it. It's not like they're aware they're scrolling their timeline. It's kind of something, oh, I'm bored, quick, bang. Like yeah, yeah. the habit loop has been there. So for doing deep work and actually doing things worthwhile um, and to kind of stop going, doing like menial stuff, because as humans, you're going to find the easy way out. And for example, if you could waste time, like for now, my relaxation is reading a book. But if I have loads of distractions from social media, the easiest thing to do for me would be just go on social media. That doesn't add a lot to my life. Then there's also the idea about uh, people and friends. And it's, for me, I feel the interactions in social media are very um, shallow. So one thing I emphasize is like we're all friends, like, you have my number, we can meet up, we can chat. I have, I'll always make time for like the people close to me and people that supported me. Um, but the thing with social media is there's a lot of time investment for something which, okay, a few likes here and there, but when you're really maybe in a low situation, I don't think social media, it's not like, they're not your friends. They're not people, not everyone there that follows you is your friend. Close. It's good to know who yeah. your close friends are because in good times, everyone knows in good times, everyone's there in bad times a lot less people are there. And I think that's what really counts um, who's there in the lower times. So social media is kind of bad for concentration, bad for knowing who your close circle and who really your friends are and, and also facilitating real life interaction, which is still in this day and age, still extremely important. Um, and those who have led to a lot of, yeah, a lot of benefits. Um, I still obviously have profiles on them because of course I keep it going and also to interact, for example, Facebook acts a bit like a, a, an address book now, more than like yeah. for, for Messenger. Anyone can contact you that you know. So you, it has practical purposes. Yeah, so those are the main two reasons. And then another reason which has become more apparent in recent reading is this idea of surveillance capitalism, which is the fact that how do these companies make money? Well, they make money a lot out of you. How much data do they have on you? Yeah, you have to be wary about where the kind of shift of power is going.
um, and how much you how much you want to put out there. Yeah, I think I'm I'm very ignorant to a lot of that side of social media dark side. I just use it like for it is face value really like Twitter. I probably use it for the news mostly. Yeah, seeing some funny memes on Love Island, <laughs> um, Instagram. I guess see people's photos. Forgot a banging photo, might put it up. <laughs> cheeky, and then a lot for like this podcast as well. Social media we probably haven't yeah. used to like promote. Yeah, the podcast and stuff like oh, yeah. that. Yeah, I didn't really like ever. Well, I think after uni, like I stopped using like Snapchat because I used to do it to just like me and him just install each other most of our Snapchat yeah. stories at the time. But then I got Instagram recently, but I post nothing on it apart from promo for this. Yeah, <laughs> that's as far as it goes because I don't really like use it for the purposes of like I don't know like like flexing or like whatever else yeah like yeah. I use it to I guess like look at like like pet like animal stuff animal yeah. memes and stuff but that's as far as it goes like I don't really like go ahead and follow like follow it like I don't I don't care if someone's posted a story usually like yeah. I, I may watch it like here and there if I if I'm like super bored waiting for like a bus or something mm-hmm. but but I it's think, like interesting I think more or less we probably just use it more for contact like we chat on messenger or something yeah. rather than like they are extremely impressive um communication tools but i think it's, it's important to look at kind of what the end results and outcomes and also um sometimes knowing there was a time for social media kind of experiment with, with things mm-hmm. i like i like to just experiment and i try to look at i'm gonna look at the overall picture of what you're getting but yeah no it's just kind of been something ongoing like i was still like you have a great photo then yeah go ahead it's just me looking at I want to be a producer and try and limit as much as being a consumer. So as you mentioned, Hamish, like the idea you have a podcast, you want to promote it. Yes. Um, then it's good. Like oh, social media is a good way. It's like a marketing channel for you. But a lot of people don't have something they're building towards. So a lot of their time on social media is necessary, is consumption. Yeah. Um, I also have a belief in a lot of uh, my belief of products is, and, I, and creation and ideas is that a lot of what carries the weight like, I, I really can't stand when people talk about Apple and so, oh, it's all marketing, Nike, it's all mar- No, they have good products. People buy mm-hmm. their, pro- if it was just marketing, people would buy their product and then think this product is trash because marketing wears off. I think there's a lot of work, particularly for us at a younger age. A lot of people are getting confused with, oh, I need to market more instead of, I need to get better at this. So I try and make all of my tasks and endeavors more about, trying to get good at something and keeping people in for the long run rather than just like focusing on marketing gimmicks, which is, yeah, which is tends to be very popular in this age because in the time of social media, uh, you, a lot of people are just trying to get that viral hit. It's like trying to expose the algorithms rather than yeah. create like good content. Rather than creating good, to- exactly. Do you think like there's a correct split between like pro- producing and consuming, I guess, for you, like in your opinion? Yeah, as in, I think you have to, cons- it depends on what you consume. So very so for example, in terms of like written like read, I can is also is what you consume. Like there's nothing wrong with consumption. Consumption ha- helps production. It just depends on what you consume. So if you're talking about, um, I don't use social media. I'm not I'm not scrolling down timelines. So how where does like my news come from? Well, one thing I don't I don't watch or read news. Like, I limit that. I don't have any formal like kind of processing news. But if I want to take in information, I usually take it from books because if you haven't written a book about something, it's likely that that information is not as transient as news. News, the idea of news is also for entertainment, not as much information as well. Mm-hmm. There's always that kind of 
idea, like if news was pulling for information, it wouldn't be as popular as it was. It's there to generate reactions in you. And oftentimes it creates a very pessimistic outlook <laughs> on the world. Like the world is not as bad as what yeah. maybe BBC so News or Sky News. That is actually one thing I wanted to bring up. So like regarding what BBC News and like the news outlets recently doing. So obviously we're quite early in the stages of like the coronavirus yeah. outbreak. But the amount of like, I feel like it was like targeted like China's economy like so hard as well during this process. I was like, it could be, it may not be, but like it look, it seems like it's made like a, well, it is quite serious. But like, yeah. if you look at the actual statistics, like only people like, for example, like in the elderly or with weak lungs, etc., mainly yeah. like I'm um, dying from it. Like it's not like too extreme to the point where people like dying left, right, center with horrid organ failure or anything. Mm. But it's been made as like such an extreme like attack, yeah. and I'm just looking at like. Although well, China's when, it, like, when this comes out, it could could be everyone. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be the case. But like, if as I said, if you look at the numbers, the numbers are pretty low for people who have passed away. And if you look at the people who passed away, it's only because they've mostly like I think it was like seventy five percent is because they had like some sort of lung condition. Yeah, already an existing yeah, yeah. Um, issue. I think if you if you want mm -hmm. like kind of when you look at things over mm -hmm. time, it kind of lessens the impact in the yeah. moment. A couple of years back. And even Ebola is still going on a bit today, but I like, yeah. remember Ebola, everyone's like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And this, these, the Ebola outbreak in- Swine flu as well. Swine flu. Um, but like the Ebola outbreak was in West West Africa, which has, if you even looking at kind of government, how the governments are organized and so forth, the reaction in China has been very like, it's, it seems very extremely regulated and kind of under control as in that you yeah. have a central government authority that already has a lot of, um, like kind of the freedom, like privacy in China is something that is less uh, highly regarded than- It's being careful with what you said because you don't want to get killed. Up. <laughs> <laughs> less highly regarded, for example, in somewhere like the UK. So um, there's a lot of um, ability to orchestrate massive mass movement. That's one thing that in kind of the way the government structure is in China, it allows for like mass projects to be conducted that helps for like building massive road networks so forth, but it also helps in containing a virus because things can be done at a very high level. Yeah. Um, so regarding that, they actually, well, recently, I guess a, a small statement was made that they didn't do like the best efforts and maybe quarantining or like everything. But yeah, like I, I just remember, like, as I said, I'm not attacking that BBC News at all. It just yeah. happens to be that like, I feel like they've been like just throwing it like, Shade. yeah like they've been yeah. like they're like attacking it like and doing like you know the political and all the bureaucracy yes. that comes in like they were just like, i'm just like man you don't need to calm down like <laughs> just let me see the um like in this case just sorry the statistics of like how many people have died who's and how many affected how many countries that's yeah. all i want to see and like what this like how it spreads that's all i care about yeah. um, diss track on them <laughs> <laughs> on bbc news yeah <laughs> That would get some, yeah, that's a good yeah. viral <laughs> Yeah, it's like Stormzy shot at BBC breakfast and even on the next day. But no, the, as you said, it's, I think one thing, as you mentioned about kind of looking at biases in news, and I think one thing that is really refreshing to do is watch news in another country. Okay. Because you get the biases from their perspective. Yeah. And it's very uh, funny. Right. Then you yeah. start to see like, for example, whenever I've looked at foreign news, I'm like, oh, this is so biased. Like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe they think like that. And I was like, wait a minute. That's probably happening in the yeah. UK. Like for, uh, people yeah, yeah. come from another country probably look at UK news station and think, wow, their view is extremely very British or biased uh, <laughs> because they're taking their perspective. Also, so these news outlets, they're trying to get viewers. So it's the re like, it's, it's just a standard thing that's been over time. Yeah. It's a form of entertainment. News is not, it's not only there to inform, 
it's there to, as a sort of entertainment also to grab you and and then the more you talk about it, the more people watch it and yeah, it just carries on it's, it's, it carries it's, on it carries on it's kind of like a virus in itself yeah oh it's a good one I couldn't tell how much sarcasm was in that comment. <laughs> like, there actually wasn't sarcasm, but it did sound a bit sarcastic. <laughs> that was, that like, was I was trying to figure out, yeah. That was smooth. That was smooth. But no, I tend to look at, if I look for information, things that are more timeless, um, because then you, that, you take that information in and it'll last a much longer than, for example, uh, what you learn on the news that changes day to day. I even tried an experiment with this in second year. Like, I remember instead of reading books, I was just reading a lot of like news because I was big on like this commercial awareness. Oh God. Um, if you don't know, if you don't know what the price of oil is, then you're not getting a job like that sort of, <laughs> that sort of, okay, yeah. that sort of wave. That, what is the price of oil? <laughs> I, don't, I know it's gone down. But <laughs> okay. it's, um, production, obviously because China, huge industrial center, and now um, they're going to use less oil because they're shutting down factories yeah so i know it's gone down mm -hmm. like that's just me economic logic but not i wouldn't be able to tell you the price and in fact the price changes every couple of minutes probably so even knowing that on the day is a bit stupid yeah. that's why i don't even get why they ask those questions in interviews um but content is like so understand so there's one thing that was big at university was pushes like commercial awareness commercial awareness and i was like but from all this reading of news how much did i actually learn and like use and actually, did it contribute in any other way aside from being able to go to an interview and say, oh, I know the price of oil? Not really, not much. So when I started switching to more like nonfiction books, that's when I started seeing a massive change in how I think, um, what I actually know, understanding concepts in depth, rather than just understanding something that's relevant today and gone tomorrow. What is an example of like timeless news, I guess, that you that you'd say? So depending on the topics of books, but it can go from looking at, so there's books I've read right now. I'm reading um, Einstein's biography. So looking at, you can look at like special relative, um, uh, general theory of relativity. You can also look at maybe context, concepts in like biology, neuroscience, maybe even com computer science, like all these topics, which they have been around for many years and they kind of built upon that. So, you know, they're probably going to stay for a lot longer. Um, usually if something lasts a hundred years, it's going to last a hundred more. Mm -hmm. Like think about many like philosophical texts. Like once they've passed this, once something's passed kind of the, the era and it becomes a classic, it's a classic forever. We actually spoke about that in the last episode, like, like <laughs> how history repeats itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, it's in like history can reinforce itself. Something that comes out as a winner and it stays around long enough will then stay for like eternity, basically. Yeah. Um, think about the work of like Aristotle and so forth. Like they've been around a thousand even before that is because people thought, oh, this is a good work. And then the next people thought this is good work and carries on and carries on. And it's known as like the great, I don't know, great philosophy, like Greek philosophy is still relevant today. Um, especially with the rise of like Stoicism. But um, the point, so the point I was making, yeah, is about, so with my reading, so that's an example with Einstein looking at like his theories and how he came about his theories, maybe like looking at um, a book like Behave, um, Robert Sapolsky or Sapolsky, I believe that's his correct name. <laughs> um, but that's like Behave, which is looking at neuroscience, biology, economics, basically why humans make the decisions they do. And so this knowledge will help you change your perspective on the world, but like in a permanent fashion. So it's a new way of looking at the world. And then particularly when I read um, philosophy 
and, I, and also looking at more like self-help books. So when I first started reading, it was very much on self-help because I felt quite lost and I felt like I wasn't employing maybe the right tactics and strategy or going about right life in the right way. So a lot of um, the self-help books you read, especially good ones, there's a lot of rubbish out there in, in general. But um, if you read a good one, you kind of take those lessons and you apply those principles. That, that's what you derive principles. You derive axioms and mechanisms for looking at the whole of life. Whereas something like the all price, like I say, be relevant for one minute. But what I'm trying to attain with my reading is I'm trying to build principles and axioms that will last me for as long as possible. Not to say I will be rigid in my thinking for my whole life and stick with them, but things that can keep going unless I'm proven otherwise. Like speaking as someone, I think Hamish as well, we're not like massive readers mm. or such. Like I've read books, but it's mostly like been having to at school or I've read a couple of sports biographies, uh, shout out Gary Neville. Um, and I think, yeah, I've started to read actually recently how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. But like for someone who's like not a massive reader, how would, what are the advantages to like reading as much yeah. or like why should people get into it more? So the quest, the objective with reading is essentially to learn the fact is reading books in particular is just they tend to be a very good source of knowledge but reading anything reading is not um but like, i think my argument was always yeah. like what's the difference between reading a book and then just reading something on my laptop ah. or like phone or something so there is in terms of content there could be there's very like um for example paul graham founder of y combinator um he has a really good blog so you could say, oh, I, I read his blog and that's fine because you're, um, and I've read his blog um, articles on there. And I'm like, yeah, it's a really good blog. My thing with reading a book is more of a, like, it's more of a, pro like the process involved is like, for example, when I'm reading a book, there's no distraction. When I'm on my laptop is as if like, I'm staring at a screen, which I do normally because of the work I'm involved in. Because you can it, new tab Facebook. It's, it's <laughs> it can be easy to get distracted. When I'm reading a book, it's absolute absorption in that one task and one thing and a lot of the best content to me is still in a book because if you want to take like the absolute like even bloggers they'll take their best work and put it into a book in theory um that's how it should work um so i'm still like when i've been reading books i still found it as the best mechanism to learn about a certain topic so for me it's working there's no real issue like when people ask like, oh how do you start with the habit i say like, when i when i one of the first books i read was about um was the game by neil strauss that's about okay. like i've heard of artists. it i haven't yeah, yeah. that's about pickup it was just something i was interested in like i mean a lot of, i said um heterosexual guys interested in females um and it was like a book that kind of tied along this idea of like uh relationships and like talking to women and so forth and and so like it was an interesting book from that context and it was just something like read what you're interested in that that's i think that's one problem people have is they feel they're going to be judged massively about what they read as if I, for me to say, oh, I read books on neuroscience biology that puts me above someone else who reads maybe comics in, in manga. Like get, especially when you're starting a habit, get something to get like the ball rolling. For example, I didn't start, like I've got a book up, up there, like um, a new, a, my, one of the most recent books I uh, bought was um, like an introduction to data science, which is code you know how the books the books are like is like it, it gives you a bit of explanation then some, some code then a, a bit more explanations more code now if i started reading that 
when I first uh, got into reading, there I would have been, I wouldn't even got past the first page. First of all, I didn't understand the code. And first of all, it's an intense book to read. Yeah. So you got to start and like build your way up to maybe more complicated texts. But like I said, just start with reading things you're interested in. I didn't have to force myself with any of the books I've read. Um, like I've really, it wasn't forcing myself because I bought books I was only interested in reading. It was only later that I found out, oh, it wasn't quite what I wanted. I only found that out later on once I'd actually been reading it, not beforehand. I've always bought a book with the idea of, I am interested in this topic. Don't ever buy a book or, this is a problem with recommendations because okay. people might ask yeah. for a recommendation, but it might be something I'm interested in, it'd be totally boring to you. So it's your own, it's very personal. Reading is very personal and it can yeah lead to a lot of benefits, but it's very important to start, just read, if you want to start reading, just read anything you're interested in. So not recommendations as such, but in yeah. your opinion, what have been like the like top three or maybe five? Have like, you written a summary article on them as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, so it varies even in topics, like a question like that is very hard because some things, some books have been very useful in a specific context. But if I could say- Or like, some like, have you ever like read a book and like just enjoyed it? Oh yeah, no, a lot. So I will, I can go over some maybe like like an author I think is fantastic. Yuval Noah Harari, author of Sapiens, Homo Deus, Twenty One Lessons About the Twenty First Century. Free books, free excellent books, and the way the way he articulates I, very ideas about very big concepts. Like he'll tackle like just education in general, maybe like artificial intelligence universal credit and then you'll talk about the idea of consciousness in machines um our own consciousness what we recognize talking about sapiens about our history the impact of religion um the impact of like the ag agricultural revolution why maybe switching to agriculture was it at the start we may look at it now as like oh switching to agriculture makes sense that's how we get the most food but at the time going from hunting gatherer to an agricultural society was actually a bad thing like their diet actually worsened so Yuval Noah right is in those three books who cover a lot of areas. And of course there are rave reviews about Sapiens and all of his other books. So that's, that's one author I like quite a lot on very, it will depend because there's certain books that are on various um, topics recently, like Walter Isaacson, for example, is, is extremely good at writing biography. So I've read Leonardo da Vinci's biography. Okay. I'm now reading the Einstein book, both written by um, him and many people know him because he wrote the Steve Jobs biography. Oh, I've got that one actually. I've started, it's, it's like a massive book. I, I think I've read like the first chapter, but there are like, there's certain books, for example, I have, like, I'll talk about on a specific area. Um, Cal Newport is fantastic for like study skills and concentration. That's kind of his area. Um, so I would say in that particular area, then Cal Newport, he's my go-to guy. Maths, even maths, I'm reading on maths, like Ian Stewart, like 17 equations that change the world. So that's like a book, particularly on one specific subject. I was talking about like Robert uh, Sapolsky, who done uh, Behave. That is That reads more like a textbook. This is one of these books that, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily recommend. It's about a 600 page, 700 page, like Behemoth, which is very dense. Okay. So it's not one of those, but even Bill Gates, because I got it from a recommendation from uh, Bill Gates' website. Even Bill Gates says it reads like a textbook. If Bill Gates says something reads like a textbook, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty much a pretty sound conclusion of what you're going to expect. Yeah. What about, um, I know Hamish has been dying to ask, but any tips from the game? <laughs> <laughs> so the thing I Wait, found... What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't you, you said that you, one of the first books you read was called The Game. 
which is like about pickup art. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Sorry, my I was Maybe like brain dead. You'd get up to him. He's trying to play it cool. Place. He's trying to play it down. Uh, <laughs> Relationships actually, and something is actually something I've talked about quite frequently on somebody. I quite like the topic mainly because like it's something I think it, we all encounter. It's something I found in particular as like a actual difficult thing. Like relationships are hard. Like, I think people who are in a relationship deserve some credit. It's, it's a hard thing. Don't, don't let this fool you. Yeah. Aaron, you know, Aaron did that thing where he goes like, oh, I'm asking for a friend. He's asking for himself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, right now. <laughs> if but, you know, you know. <laughs> no, the game, I think the game is fascinating. The reason why I, I like Neil Shah, I like his other book, The Truth as well, which is on, again, on relationships, but more about the kind of long-term rather than short-term. But um. The game, I think, the reason I like this book is because people read this book and you think, oh yeah, I'll learn how the secret, how to pick up women and I'll get, I don't know, I'll <laughs> yeah. sleep with loads of women and models and yeah, my life will be sorted. But it kind of puts a whole perspective on the incentive for men, like what's the incentive for men to sleep with loads of women? How much energy is put into doing that very thing? And kind of looking at the philosophical basis behind all of it, and then the truth looks more about like the like the kind of the basis behind relationships um, themselves. But I think the game is really like a refreshing look at to why like oh like a lot of men kind of do certain things for the idea of appealing to women. Um, and one thing I found really profound was this idea that a lot of men spend a lot of energy and time trying to impress women. And particularly as well, like through the chase of women, or just like trying to talk to girls, trying to do this, trying to impress, trying to do something silly. But what he says was like, <laughs> I, I just I'm just going to say something. Yeah. <laughs> I had to let it slide for me because yeah. I don't want to ruin your flow. <laughs> no, no, what are you? I couldn't hold in the laugh though. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to wait for Harry to drop a bomb. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, we'll carry on, we'll carry on. But, um, yeah, so people do a lot, of, men do a lot of things to impress me. And you said like, if people, ch if men channeled that energy into doing things that were probably more productive at being a more attractive person. They would probably end up with those women, but a lot of people, it's like where you concentrate energy. Like to me, like sexual energy yeah, is just a form actually. of energy and it's a very powerful one innately that biologists are very adamant about this idea of a, a lot of what we do, the lot of behaviors we, we take on board is because we're trying to appeal as more attractive partners for like reproduction mm -hmm. and then how hierarchies and um, society builds off kind of that framework. Um, and so it was just interesting to kind of look at the perspective of, you think maybe a lot of people read it because they think, oh yeah, um, if with this chat up line, I'll be able to seduce any girl. <laughs> it kind of looks at the broader picture of why do you want that in the first, the first place and how people can take it to extremes, so mm -hmm. forth. Yeah, I like how you're looking at me about this now, but like genuinely, like I'm not going out my way to um, find anyone. It's Aaron here that's literally done no. the ask for a friend thing, and he's put me in the no, no, I've, at I've, the end I've, of the meme here. No, no, no. Now, anyone listening who knows knows. <laughs> I've uh, no, I've heard that a lot as well. Like how the most attractive thing is making yourself. You're not supposed to like. I don't have to phrase it. I feel like I'm going to phrase it wrong, but like the way you said that, putting time and effort into yourself would make you more attractive yeah. to said person then just trying your best 100%. to impress them and i think that was a topic yeah that was um kind of covered and it's fresh and i think people need to hear that because i think people will spend a lot of time and energy you can spend <laughs> a lot of time and energy on this like trying to it's like changing girl, messaging girl, whatever trying to slide in the dms and whatever creative way to <laughs> i like how i'm actually the butt of this joke now <laughs> 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 but i'm like looking at aaron like just, when, just when i get the video version of this 
But if it's gonna you be work clipped. on like building like an attractive, like you becoming a better person, I think that's not just the same for like, that's not just for like attracting girls, that's for attracting the yeah. right, every, anyone in your life. Like for example, you make yourself a better person, you become a better filter for what's good and what's bad in your life. So if you have certain, a lot of like very strong, like negative qualities, um, you might attract a lot of people with those, with certain other negative qualities. But if you hold yourself in high esteem and you aim to like better yourself, yeah, you'll naturally filter out people that kind of match your aims and ambitions. It's like someone who has the dream or ideal of, I don't know, building the next billion like pound startup and someone who's just happy because I don't know, he's working nine to four instead of nine to five. Like, I don't know, it, those conversations, they are going to be, it's hard for them to find a middle ground. Mm -hmm. So you kind of associate with people, you, you'll naturally filter out people by your own progression. Yeah, like if you just keep doing what you want to, like you'll just find similar people through it, like whether you're looking for it or not. Yeah. That's like my logic behind it right now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's 100% true. And also just, um, like I said, it, 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 for example, I'll give you an example like reading, um, like even through like some of you, like I've met people that I would never have met or been in contact with um, because of the work you do and the stuff, even for this, like for the podcast we have here, like knowing Aaron, mm -hmm. like we, I would have known Aaron if we both mm -hmm. weren't in the position where Aaron's an excellent front end. I love messing around with growing company <laughs> and stuff like that. I fluked my way to being all right at it during the time. But if it wasn't for that combination and then also having things of interest, um, there wouldn't necessarily be that connection there. So like you filter it out, like you, people don't want to hang around people. They feel like a drain on them. Um, it's a good thing to kind of be that person that adds something to a, to a conversation, add something to your friend's lives, being like giving something off and then people will be attracted to that. So it's, it, and it all comes from, like I said, working on oneself. Have you ever thought of writing your own book? So yeah, it's come up, it's come up because of course now, like I think the amount of words I've written for some of you, definitely package that into a book but um i always kind of always have it in my head like yeah it'd be something i'd love to do like, write a book um it's just about kind of finding the topics to write about or even knowing what you want to write a book about or, like what you want to go in depth about but it's always for anyone who writes it's always going to be like cool do you want to write a book and i think yes i would like to write a book but if i'm going to write a book i have to do it properly and do yeah. it well and absolutely dedicate because they are very long they're long ordeals like it's a bit like with a book it's harder to even for example in startups you can you have mvp you can test your product constantly a book is a bit harder to test like once you published it and people don't like it that's all the yeah. time and then i guess you're not gonna it's gonna be hard to find someone as well to like read it as a test yeah and then <laughs> give you feedback yeah. and you gotta change the book but it is something i always have in my like as in in long-term plans like yeah, it's something definitely like yeah. i will always have on the cards like to write books but ultimately my aim is i don't ever want to be in a situation where i'm writing a book which is 80 percent fluff and i'm just trying to make a buck out of it like it's not i don't ever want to do that it would be have to be if i'm going to write a book then every sentence got to pack a punch so it's got to be something some broad concept or mm -hmm. something i can write in depth about yeah that's interesting because the way i see like trying to write code is that i gotta do it for something although obviously i need it for the financial reasons like yeah. i'd want to do stuff like to just release it open source so if i haven't like met any ideas i'll just write them out and then if i don't feel like following through i won't follow through yeah. so i'll just delete the file 
and then carry on. But then maybe there'll be one point where I can, I'll finally action it, and maybe I'll just make it open source or something because I'm like, whoever else wants to go yeah. profit off this can go ahead. But at the end of it, the credit will still trace back to me, anyways. Back to you. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's crazy. Um, particularly in that domain, like with programs, computer science, like something can be open domain, and it's a bit like it's like, oh, it doesn't make sense. Why is it giving out for free? And then some mm -hmm. things, if they weren't open domain. Mm -hmm would have been useless. Like imagine like a programming language that wasn't like open domain or like open source. Like any in the past, it used mm -hmm. to be like that. But for example, like um uh like with Java, Java thing prior to its release wasn't actually open source. So I remember who it's become was, like proper open source now. It's like, obviously now it's proper yeah. open source, but I think I can't remember who it made must say that to like pay to use it. Yeah Java programming language. I think it was it Sun Microsystems someone oh, Sun Microsystems yeah. maybe. Yeah but who um, yeah, uh, right now I could be absolutely wrong and you'll probably have to correct it afterwards. But, um, <laughs> the, but at the time, for example, in the past, it's more like there are there are business models or there are concepts which work perfectly with an idea of open source, as you said, and also for like learning and also developing open source is fantastic for that because imagine that like, anyone who uses your product essentially becomes someone in some ways a contributor to the final product itself. So I didn't, yeah, you have loads of people testing your product for free. <laughs> yeah. And like when it's open source, other people can also help fix it. Like, and, yeah. and that makes life so much easier. If you think about like, let's say a lot of the bugs in programming languages are probably found because someone else has gone through and experienced this bug and they probably were nice enough to apply a patch that you can just merge in. Yeah. And that makes life so much easier. But with regards to, I guess, books like, did you, you didn't use books for learning programming, did you? Or did you use? No, so I, I've only later now started using oh, okay. books for programming. It's not like, of course, um, I don't know, the amount of Stack Overflow play, pages I've been through, <laughs> I've read probably a book on Stack Overflow. Yeah. Like, but um, the, yeah, it started off like for me, let's say basic, basic, because I knew if I bought a book on programming, I just wouldn't follow through because it would have been too much on my mind. Right. Especially when like I said starting these skills, especially coming from a background of nothing, I think especially with something like programming, so people learn pro over years. So it's like, mm. you know, in all this recent fascination with like learn to code in like two weeks, um, these courses yeah. and stuff is a bit like you will yeah, it will help, like as in you'll get there, but it's a constant ongoing thing. And even experienced programmers such as yourselves, you will know there'll be times when you look at something and you think. Uh, I don't quite know what that is, but I know where to look for it. And if I look at the source, I will then understand what's going on. Languages are constantly evolving as well, yeah. like updating. So there's always new stuff. Exactly. And it's like, for example, right now, all right, cool. I know quite a bit of Python, but then um, one thing it's like, is Julia is now, they're talking, there's a lot of talk about this program language called Julia, which is faster than Python, but still based on like the nice like syntax and you can use the same like libraries. So it's like okay. something like that. It could change. And then I'm like, oh, I knew all this Python, but now I don't know anything about Julia. But <laughs> so I'm already, I'm back to zero again. Um, Go is another thing. It's like, for example, Go has got really popular recently because okay, yeah. it's backed by Google. It's like another thing, like, I don't know much about Go, but the only thing with program is, is a bit like once you learn one like foreign language, you become better at learning more languages. And the same with like programming. But those early steps, yeah. In terms of doing a book, like, is, that would have been too far reach. You got to find like a comfortable place um, for progress. Like too much going too far and it turns into like stress and you're not really learning too little and it doesn't push you enough. You're trying to find that sweet spot of like enough, like enough so you're learning, but not too much. That I'm like, oh my God, I don't understand anything. And then you forget about it. 
It's interesting you say that, like comparing the programming language to an actual language, because in recent times I've been having like the, like there's something that's gone off in my head. I'm like, it's basically like reading another language. If you can read it, yeah. like different like languages of code, like Java, Python, like it puts you on like such a different like scale. But like, since it's obviously not the norm of talking, at least not around us, unless you're within the development or technology environment, yeah. it makes it so weird. So like on the train here, I was actually writing some code for a programming test on my notepad. Yeah. So I could just copy and paste it into my thing afterwards. I was like, have some time to kill. So let me just, let me just write the answer to this thing is yeah. so i was just writing up code on my phone and i was like what the fuck are you doing I'm, like, yeah. I'm trying to make use of this 15 minutes i have on the train and just finish writing this code not even using it in text either it's just in his notes yeah i just had my phone i didn't have a laptop or anything so i was like i'll write it here and then i'm just gonna copy paste yeah. that was people also looked at you like wow this guy is serious <laughs> uh, the equivalent of the guy who turns up to like his investment banking interview with like a, huh. with a broadsheet ft you're like yeah, that guy's serious, yeah. man. Well, like, those guys that turn up to lectures in suits. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who turned up to lectures in suits? Oh. We used. To, I remember like first day, someone being in a suit, and I've seen like memes online about people turning up in suits. Yeah, we never experienced it too much. No, but I recently read that like in some cases because some people may actually be working during it, so like they come back from work and yeah, they could yeah, be yeah. hopping into lectures. Nickel, so just... Nickel said that. Oh yeah, yeah. One of our previous guests because he's working and doing like a part-time master's. Yeah. So sometimes he has to go from work straight to like a lecture or oh, something. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. in that sense, it makes sense. But yeah, I know I've seen people actually wear it just for the sake of it. Yeah. That's just such a flex. <laughs> no unnecessary months. flex. Like, yeah. who are you flexing to? We should have done it for like our last ever lecture, just everyone turn up in suits. Honest, I remember <laughs> getting onto um, Yik Yak, like for the wrong type of suit. I wore a full like camo track suit. Um, oh, you're on Yik Yak? Yeah. For, like, like, yeah, because people are like, oh, this floating head. Because I was actually <laughs> all in camo, you know what I mean? <laughs> in the oh, I remember like the stuff people brought out. That was brought up recently um, with friends. I mean, it's hard. Oh, do you remember when you're on Yik Yak, like trending? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because obviously, my, yeah. I even had like a bright red Stormzy tracksuit back in you. Oh, that's mad. Wait, yeah. so wait, at Warwick, by the way, just to clarify for those who don't know, there was this app called Yukiak. It was used at some other places as well. Yeah, it wasn't just Warwick. Oh, no, yeah, it, was, so, it was massive. Do you know they yeah. raised about 81 million in um, funding? But like, what, what happened to it? Yeah, it I, I never used Yukiak ever, but I was bust. curious. Oh, It went bust because, um, of course, the whole idea of anonymization. So it's this idea like, there's the difference between what a business model in theory and a business model in practice. So business model in theory, anonymous, people can find out whatever's, whatever's going on. It's instant, quick, it's, it's in your local area. So everyone knows it's a bit like Twitter, but even, even better than Twitter because there's, it's anonymous, like people just firing away. That's the concept. In reality, as soon as you hide people's identity, what it means is you just abuse people. Yeah, so <laughs> was just straight up like used for like abusing people, um, all the rest had, and that got it into trouble. For example, we just, I remember in school, there was one thing in sixth form, I remember this massive thing, like Yik-Yak got into my uh, sixth form and um, the teachers had a massive wrote, like complaint to the company and this and that to remove stuff because, Students would go on and talk about teachers and roast them. Yeah, because wasn't Yik Yak was first year of university for me. Yeah, that's what, so it I would have been before. You. Yeah. So for me, it was actually in sixth one, probably like year. So the second yeah. year. Because uh, yeah. for us, if it was our first year, then you were one year behind us. So it would be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So when you got, yeah, exactly then. Um, so but even when you got into university, it was still. It was still popping, yeah. Oh, okay. for, only for mm -hmm. first year. Maybe just then, a campus, thing, like on campus. Yeah, it was a campus. When you're in Leamington, it's not as <laughs> popping, you know. <laughs> the, the thing is, I never referred to UKAC ever outside because when I went to Warwick, I just heard about UKAC starting to pop up. But 
I got the app, never used it because I don't know. I just couldn't. Get, yeah, it's just see it. like if I'd only see the ones that people like share out because obviously something must have been like banging for them to yeah. have to share it with me in the first place. But no, they yeah, obviously under and also monetization stuff a bit difficult. Like, how can you have an influencer that's anonymous? It's <laughs> like the monetization strategy to me. I don't see how it could really monetize. Then also if your platform is known for massive amounts of hate, who wants to advertise on it? So I don't think they really had a they couldn't monetize it. And if you're under tons of like and people pressure. want credit, yeah, people naturally like if they post something banging on Yik Yak, they probably want people to know it was them that yeah. posted it. That's why I got like even I got respect people on Stack Overflow because some of the stuff it's like yeah. wow, this guy took time out of his day to write this massive yeah. amount of code for some absolute stranger just for yeah. like points. That's why you should always upvote and get like the answers you order say this is the correct response because yeah. it helps out other people in the future going through yeah. so if you find the solution where i want to make sure to upvote it because it helps that person out like their reputation gets boosted so yeah. their answers are more credible automatically stack and that's yeah. stack overflow by the way for anyone who hasn't realized by this point it's like a help forum for whenever you're stuck and during your programming for whatever reason it is post your a snippet or like on some vague summary and some someone out there will or many people out there will start helping yeah, you. We'll start helping you. And you li- but it doesn't obviously help you with homework. So don't, don't try to be cheeky. <laughs> they have rules. No, it's excellent for yeah. assignments. Anything like that. <laughs> Forget plagiarism. <laughs> you want to get a first in a degree? Yeah. 100% guaranteed. <laughs> Only if you do comp sci. Honestly, comp sci is so weird because it's like plagiarism. It's like... Yeah what like this code is out there i'm plagiarizing the documentation by using this language in the first place like, <laughs> make all your own code yeah because i'm going to use create these my own libraries when there's libraries perfectly available there like yeah oh it's a bit of a hard one like composite is like composite really goes up against some of the like traditions of um like academia a bit like i don't work like that <laughs> in a work environment like work environment work comp side compared yeah. to academic comp side like two different <laughs> massive like yeah, contrast sure. it's also insane because like, in academic comp side they try to run your code against like as many other like student assignments and databases of other code that they yeah. have to make sure you haven't copied and pasted it from someone that <laughs> like, you've actually gone out and done it and like it's interesting to see who gets caught up because you're like oh that person literally just copy pasted yeah <laughs> Not gonna shout any names today. <laughs> yeah, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, you gotta think, and I think there's a massive problem with university and assignments. It's like making a call on plagiarism is also a big corner university because imagine they say you plagiarized and then you haven't. That's yeah. a massive call to make. You understand about it? It's like type one error is type two. It's like coming into statistics. Like you wanna minimize the probability of like a false um, positive. So you wanna minimize that chance of you saying someone has cheated when it's not really the case because the amount, imagine like bringing a student in and saying, no, I think you cheated and they haven't, that student's going to hit you, hit back with some. Yeah. Cause I always thought computer science was like, if you had like a task, it's not that unlikely that someone could come up with the same solution as you. Yeah. Like yeah. in code. Like, of course, yeah. It's so, absolutely, I think like, it's very hard to not do the same thing. Like mm-hmm. it's a bit like mathematics and stuff. It's like you have, there are, a limited number of solutions. I'm not just make up random stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how far you go in maths though. Yeah, like the thing about comp sci is that everyone would naturally use like, maybe if some people are following like the proper convention that they learned early on, yeah. which in your degree you wouldn't have. So like it's um, obviously more obvious because my variable names may be more messed up than Aaron's, for example. So obviously mm-hmm. it would never be hitting a plagiarism check because yeah. just the way I use them. But um, if you use it like proper standards, I guess from early, it's pretty obvious like <laughs> that you'll be copying a base thing. Yeah. 
But also how quick technology like like moves and stuff like that. It's something a bit like lectures are like, oh, I don't even know the language you lot are writing this stuff in, but um, I'll try and make sense of it. Like, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, it's mad because they have to keep evolving comp size of degrees so much because so much like. One one of the good examples probably like the mobile robotics. I don't know how much it would have progressed since we left. I don't know how much stuff like what else would there be like, like not agent based systems, but there's certain like static modules that would you need yeah. the, there for the theory. But then there's other ones that you have to keep evolving. So like the one I don't know what it was called. The one we did with three D printing and everything. Not that we did the three D printing, but we did three D printing. <laughs> it was in it was in our like first year. There was like a, a few um oh yeah who's yeah, got yeah, to do it, about, yeah. and it's mad because my brother yeah. He actually bought a 3D printer as soon as he basically started work. And he's not in like a code, he's an electronic engineer, but he did a bit of coding. So he just has a 3D printer in his room and he's 3D prints like random things like cabinets and everything. I'm just like, I'm not going to complain. It's your 3D money. 3D prints a cabinet? Like, you guys, <laughs> what? like a small cabinet, like to just store stuff in like, it's insane. Like he's just been like doing Can they work. print stuff that big? I thought they only could print like I'm saying like a hand size. Box. It's like a huge box. It's not Mate, like... it's like from it's like up to my knees at least. Or yeah, like maybe up to our waist. Thing. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. And like so I'm it's not like he's printing like entire like arms or something. He's just printing out like small like things and that you don't now you don't have to buy on Amazon because like all he has to do is pay for the material, which is a lot cheaper than yeah. buying the you entire thing. Amazon. Yeah, because you're doing the labor cost, you're literally doing it right there, as long as it's feasible. Yeah. 3D printing has a lot of is interesting. I see my particular interest in 3D printing is in the case of shoes. So looking at like 3D printing and like construction, automated construction of trainers. I think that's and I can looking at like <laughs> investing in that. And I think that would imagine as well, like having those printers at home. I didn't mean to like make oh, You could just replace the soles of your shoes. That would yeah. be amazing. That too. Also um, like customized shoes. So Adidas looking at um, like making shoes built because obviously everyone looks at the bottom of their shoes and they have an individual wear pattern because it depends on um, like over pronate, under pronate, um, how you walk essentially, what your gait is. But uh, imagine having custom. So you can have like Adidas shoes so they look good, but then they're custom so that the, the grip is based according to how you wear it out. Because, for example, you look on some trainers, like some trainers I've had in the past, the way is the way the sole is um, built doesn't suit the way I wear it out. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know. I was going to touch back on Summy a bit. Yeah. So you have the podcast as well. Yeah. With Summy, how did you start that, and like what what are the podcasts on? All right. So mainly the majority of podcasts. So there we have, I think one thing for podcasts at the moment, we have a lot, I have a lot of content just kind of sitting there. The main idea with a lot of the tasks we take on at Summit is for improvement. So I wanted to be able to articulate myself, present myself and speak better. So when I'm doing the, so when I've done the kind of Summit talk stuff with uh, Liam, that's been more about being able to articulate concepts and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just to make sure I know what I'm writing about, know what I'm talking about, um, and kind of elaborate on ideas that have been covered in the articles. Then there's kind of the summary, like the shorter stuff, which is done basically to give people an option to listen to the articles instead of read them. So Connor is the guy, my guy for audio. And he adds like his own soundboards, like really cool effects, like really to put you in the zone. So they're kind of a bit like, I don't even, they're not really like a, it's like more like an experience. It really becomes an experience because you're kind of locked in with headphones and like all these really cool sound effects to really give you a sense of like what's going on and what I'm talking about. Do you do like illustrations as well by any chance? Like, do you know what I mean? Like video like illustrations. 
like any sort of like video like for it for the talk. summy oh yeah so yeah we've done like we do video content like we record stuff and then i use that uh, on like linkedin for like little snippets more only for like marketing purposes more now um but the kind of the separation with the summy stuff on the audio side is a lot of the short stuff is essentially connor working with me and we're trying to kind of print like speak about the articles, articulate the concepts um, accurately and well, also focus on my clarity as a speaker. So it's very much, that relationship there is very much like Connor comes in as sort of a coach. So a lot of time we're recording as we are now recording with a mic. I'll be there, I'll be going over the article and kind of reading the article, kind of elaborating on ideas. And he'll be like, no, say this better, do that again, speak like this, drink some water so forth and it's kind of it's a training exercise um and those are for the shorts and then another training exercise is more the long discussion which i carry out with liam and on spotify and apple podcasts at the moment um we have one episode which i did with liam and that was looking at his experience in madagascar but mm -hmm. even even think about that like we literally went out to um abbey ruins in reading uh, which is like a historical site um, in Reading. We do have some history. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, um, Liam just got back from Madagascar and we were just like, we're going to have a talk. And we just sat there and we we're basically recording a conversation that we normally would have. And it turned into a full on like Liam did his, did bits. Like he, he t is speaking about Madagascar, climate change and loads of other, and, and like kind of the future of energy for like, I guess the world. Um, and we yeah made a podcast out of it. A lot of the time, like I said we have. I'm either having fun. Like, I love the stuff we do with Sami, all the writing. Everything. I have first of all, I have I have a lot of fun in what we do. I get to work with people who I feel extremely talented, and I learn a lot from them. And um, I develop really good skills, which are transferable in any department. So it's always a win-win when we're doing Sami stuff. Like even this now, like jumping on this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, the third wheel like, I, I love being the third <laughs> wheel right now it's, like, it's fantastic you get, you get to know people through the stuff you do and then you find people do interesting things and because of some I haven't have an opportunity to kind of mess around with things like, I, I'm I'm really big on just this idea like all the people like for example we're talking about money about how money is made through some but Although, like, for example, I'm the, it's funny thing, I'm the lowest, basically, I'm the lowest paid person in Summy because when it comes to, like, production of, like, videos, audio and stuff like that, I always say, like, all, everyone will always be paid and compensated because I don't ever want a situation where people work for nothing. So everyone there, like, in my, in the team that's paid and, like, for example, the artwork, I'll pay for that. I believe in, like, kind of compensating creatives for their work. Um, so yeah, we do have that weird structure at Sami where the person who found it is actually the lowest paid person. In <laughs> yeah. To be fair, like, that's actually like really, really good to do then, I guess, because you're showing that to the others that you also care and then if you stick with me, I still got you. And then, yeah, 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 I think that was, uh, I said, I respect the work they're doing and the fact that they're taking a risk on it and I make sure like people, um, also I always hated the idea. Like is we, before, uh, when we met, we're talking about like compensation for jobs and it's a bit like, um, I really don't like the idea of when people are squeezed, like they can't live comfortably, like they're squeezed out of like a salary or, or just trying to get the, pay them the least amount. I think if you have very good people on your team, like you compensate them for what they are and giving people like money so they're happy with it means they're more likely to do better. It's like kind of a simple thing, but people just don't yeah. want to do that or 
like I said, I try and make it work like I said, as much as possible. Yeah. I don't know if you want to switch it up a bit and talk a bit. I remember the first time we met, I always thought you two had very similar music taste. Our fan bites, so I knew, Alec, Alec introduced me to like Trapstar and like, I think- like, <laughs> You didn't I, know about Trapstar before? No, no. I didn't you didn't see before. anyone at Warwick wearing around? Maybe I did, but I didn't know it was called Trapstar. I might have seen a T, but I might not have seen that. We know that Alec was repping on Warwick campus. You know, <laughs> yeah, after that. I introduced Aaron to just a lot of just the trap life. The thing is though, like at uni, I would be like making him <laughs> listen to so much of the music so we could go smack and stuff. And and like when, when at house parties, sometimes we'd end up being the DJs. Yeah. Also, the, I guess this was staying in unedited. <laughs> but basically what would happen is if, if we got the phone for DJing, Every time he queued up something, he would like try to queue up like a very old school, like very yeah. kind of like pop type thing. Yeah. Like Black Eyed Peas or something. Yeah. No, no. Mine, mine's like old. Like, yeah. old. like maybe like a Stevie Wonder superstition yeah. thing. But I'm like, if you're going to do and that, you do at the end of the night. Let, 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 yeah. let me control this till yeah. the point where I think that it's time for you to step in. So <laughs> and then I kick in. And then obviously he started to like the music as well. I think he's pretty open to liking other music though, yeah. which helps in this case. Whereas me, for example, I'm like, Okay, if you want to do that, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking any part. It's, I don't want to be associated with that music. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's how it was. Like I remember, like a certain house party, like they were just like raving, and I was just like, okay, time to get back to raving. Yeah, we set up a queue. Hopefully, no one fucks it up. Yeah, no house parties work, man. I don't know. The music was not on point for a lot of them. Just he didn't know us. No, the best you at DJing. Like, <laughs> like, man. It can't be expected. I wasn't expecting the bangers. You know what I mean? Mate, at Smackia, you know how we were listening to, I guess, M1 show, right? Yeah. On the car journey to this year. So basically, was it third year? Second year? Third, third or second year? Whenever, um, uh, what do you call it? By the track by Heady One, No Better came out. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. No one, no one really like knew it. Yeah, but then he played the DJ played it at downstairs. Smack here. Oh. I was singing it because I knew I was like I couldn't let it off in a uni. Oh, <laughs> and then, yeah. and but no one else knew it, and I was just like, this is the saddest moment. Yeah, it's because only I know No Better right now. Yeah. I can't see anyone around me knowing it. That's all right. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that's that. They actually came through with the music on some occasion. Yeah. I was like, wow, fair play. But. No, I still rate Heady One. Like, I remember back then, um, my friend Tash actually showed me Heady One, but I'm really, I've been listening to all, I've been- Free Heady One, by the way. Yeah, free him up. Man. <laughs> I need some. Why is he- uh, He's in jail. in jail. Why is he in jail? Was it carrying a knife or something? I don't know, that was Jay Huss, uh, but Jay Huss yeah, is out Yeah, he's now. out now. But um, I'm not sure what it was a Heady One. Um, I just know that he's gone. I can feel that presence because I, I've liked all of his projects, so- <laughs> Um, obviously No Better that was like his first proper as in his own project then he had um, his, and then he's, he's had three projects basically the one the one two yeah, and then. yeah the one, the one. <laughs> I was like you know what it's going to be something really yeah. simple but it's and then the one the one two and then his recent one um, uh, Music X Road I went to that show yeah amazing but yeah no I, Music X Road I think Music X Road is really a, quite a mature project as well I did not expect what he produced with um, Music X Road and it worked really well. Um, so I really like, yeah, Heady One. I'd say my music taste, so I like a lot of UK stuff. Um, from America is pretty simple, like Drake. So like Drake, I'd say is probably my favorite artist just from like every kind of project he's released. I've rated it a lot and I listened to him quite a bit. So Drake from like the US, so I'd say that's the main kind of like US person. Then from like UK, People I like a lot, um, D Block Europe, Dave, M Huncho, Heady One, Fredo, 
And then in between that, I listened to like Slim. I think Slim's in jail as well. I liked Slim stuff when it was out. All these men in jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another man, three and what, man. Um, Do you know the night Jay Huss came out of jail? He went to the Drake show. I was, yeah, I was yeah. at it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, wow. so I was gassed, but like the rest of the crowd, like only certain parts of the crowd, I guess, were gassed because a lot of people didn't really care for Jay Huss. I just remember that I was like, I was just standing in the crowd going, that was a good. Oh, nines as well. I rate nines. Oh, yeah. He lives near me. Um, he lives near me. Harlesden, yeah. <laughs> and big up Keiko as well. Yeah. Let's not forget. He, like, he's falling up. He, he, he had a show in Casbah when he started coming back. Wait, you what? Know that? No. He had a show in Casbah. That's mad. Casbah is a club in Cove. Like, yeah. I, knew, I remember like the October after we left, Michael Dapper performed in Casbah and I was gutted. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because of the big shack stuff. Yeah, you have no idea how many videos exist of um, us two like at Neon and mainly him yeah, singing like, I'm um, just getting gassed because it's the only song he knows all the lyrics to. That's from like the UK scene. Yeah. I think that broke out a bit while we were at Fanbytes, maybe. The Big Shack stuff. That broke up when we were at Fanbytes because yeah. we were on it before it broke. Oh, maybe. Maybe you might mention it. Did yeah, you watch Will? I was on, so I was looking, this is the crazy thing. So Michael Dapper, I've, I actually, re, while my time at Fanbytes, I reached out to him as a potential, like one of our, um, so we have like influencer portfolios. <laughs> he was, uh, I saw his work and I was like, oh, this guy's funny. I like his work. And before that whole thing, when he blew up, I was like reaching out to him for stuff like that. Um, they work with, they done stuff. We got stuff with like Chunks. It was like, we got loads yeah, yeah. of like, oh, so we used to work with like loads Chunks of is Northwest as well. Yeah, we used to work <laughs> with a lot of people in that space. And um, yeah, he was someone that reached out. And during the time I was like looking at his stuff, following his work. And it was, yeah, there was that summer when he blew up and I was like, oh my days, man. Imagine securing it before that. It's yeah, like, that would be massive. Weird. Yeah, bloody hell. Because actually at Fanbytes, um, I remember you wanted to start like a music kind of review kind of channel. Or yeah, channel. I remember you recording like a few stuff as well. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> so basically I did, I recorded myself with like um, a camera just like talking about various projects. It was like, it was 6.7s, um, <laughs> one, one of the projects is 6.7, not... Uh, is is a white cover and I can't not remember. a fan of six. <laughs> I used Wait, to, six I, oh no, six seven. I thought six, you said six seven. nine. Yeah, six no, 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 six, no, six, six nine, seven. My brothers, yeah. mad. Why do they have all these similar names? Six seven, six nine. Six. You said someone else earlier, like J one and J five. Yeah, <laughs> like why? I can't even think of something else. Six seven. It was a white album cover. I can't remember the name of the um project. Um, so it was that one. Was it the one with Let's Lurk or is it something else? Was it with? With, with the song Let's Luck or was that no important? one afterwards oh, okay that uh, yeah. you could just pull it up right now and then we have yeah and then um the other one was I think I was talking like uh, Fredo's first mixtape um he's had three projects out now but his first one that yeah I was literally just talking and I literally <laughs> I told Aaron and Lily about this um I think it must have been midweek, mid-week or something like that yeah um talking, I was like yeah I'm gonna try this out Literally went home that day, got a camera and just started talking and then showed them. It's like, they're like, oh man. Like I was literally just like random. It's just one of the many things we used to do at Fanbytes. It was just a bit like that kind of culture was just like, I've got an idea. I'm going to test it out and I'll show you guys and see what you think. Because that kind of spiraled, I don't know if at that time, but I remember doing stuff for, um, I remember going on their makeup channel. Yeah, yeah. So they had a makeup channel. I went on that and they used to do videos. Uh, makeup tuts. Makeup tuts, yeah. Was that a fanbytes thing? It was yeah. like a fanbytes, like a interesting additional thing run by Lily at the time. I don't th- I don't I'm not 
I think we might have mentioned it in her episode briefly. Yeah. And then Lily and I, and then Maisie, uh, Lily and I just jumped in for doing like some organic content that was done by us rather than done by influencers. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, it was funny. Like, cause that, that channel on Snapchat, it was, had a massive amount of people. I mean, at yeah. one point it had like 300,000. Yeah. So Glorious 12th was the album from 6-7 that I was looking at. Yeah. Let's Lurk, Glorious 12th and Skengs We Trust. Those are the good days, man. Those are the good days. <laughs> I still listen to LD like by himself for like. Yeah, he's on the stand up, but I don't know. I, since they kind of stopped doing group stuff, I don't really listen to them that much. Um, what do you I, think of, I guess, Section Boys being renamed to Smoke Boys because of the thing? I don't mind, as in, I think the project was actually all right. The Smoke Boys, um, there was a Don't Panic too. Um, Section Boys, I go has like the reason with Section Boys is just like I think the problem they had was. I remember a period of time, like they were at the top, they were running things. It, everyone was like, section boys, section boys, section boys. Then they started just releasing songs, which were terrible. And they kept really, they didn't take a break. It's like you release, people start to get tired, a bit tired of the sound, right? Maybe look at like, oh, how can we switch the sound? And then I guess it happens in many creative fields and it can go either or one way, maybe. Um, and just, it just got worse and worse. I was listening to, like, listening to their song and I was like, wow, this is terrible. And I used to really like their stuff. And then they took a massive break from it, came back. I think the new stuff they came out with was all right, but I just don't think it won't ever really be the same as what it was before. Um, but I do have things. I met Section Boys in Casbah. I'm not Mad. doing it. I met Section So they performed at Casbah. Okay. I thought they were just in Casbah. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say that. Uh, they um, performed in Casbah and um, I was there with friends. And it's one of the funny things I still... Um, banter one of my friends for this um tash like he went work as well like he <laughs> we went up so it's like we the section boys there and like, i see them i go and i was like yo like obviously just talking to them yeah tash bursts through and just like oh my god i'm your biggest fan tash is tash <laughs> is a big guy that's like, like six six two six three stack he's playing like first team football like striker or whatever stack big guy Dread, like, do you know what I mean? There's a big imposing guy, and it's just like, and the words come out of his mouth, like, oh my god, I'm your biggest fan. He sounded about 12, <laughs> he sounded like a One Direction fan. It was the most embarrassing thing I've like, ever gone through. Like, I couldn't stop laughing, and they were kind of saying, we kind of laughed it off as well, but they were like, yeah, cool. And then we got a photo, which I think it might be on my Instagram, might not be on Instagram anymore. It's probably on Facebook. Like, yeah, it might be on Facebook. It'll still be on the internet though, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So it had, yeah, we took a photo with them and then I went to see them in assembly as well. So they, they loved a bit of commentary, mate. They loved a bit mm -hmm. of Warwick <laughs> life. <laughs> Why not? I'm surprised we never ran into J1, you know, 4 a.m. in commentary. Yeah, that too. I mean, he, oh, the, but he's actually- The joke went- he, <laughs> I don't know if either of you cocked the joke. No, he said he got a song for him. Oh, okay, okay. Aaron, Aaron didn't okay. clock it. I know. I mean, I assumed it, but he's from Coventry. Okay. No, no. Yeah, no, I know, but that's yeah. that's the thing. Like, I I, did, I thought you didn't clock it as well. That's I, I was know, like, I shit. Clocked that. I was on it. Man, I only saw the Chuckle Brothers at Casper. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest. Uh, Chuckle Brothers. Who have I seen? I think Crepton Conan at Warwick. Yeah, yeah, I went with you. So I didn't oh yeah, yeah, shit. That was in pop, not pop, but not pop rooms. Yeah, where pop is, but. Anyway, do you want to give the build up to that? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I never went pop. I've never been pop my whole life. To be fair, like a small uh, mosh pit started inside that, in that Crampton Conan thing. I remember Aaron just looking into it with fear. <laughs> I went in for like, like 
I don't want to go in a mosh pit for I just yeah. want to enjoy the music. Nish went all the way through, like, and then I went through half. I came back. With I don't have a body too many men in a mosh pit. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it was about stacked then. in it. It was going to gym every day at the time. I actually was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think I probably round up the episode. Yeah, I'm sure. Hope it's uh, been good on. We got some like final questions we end with. So three questions. I'll go for the first one. And that is, what would the title of your autobiography be? Oh. oh man this is why we sent you the plan beforehand <laughs> yeah, yeah i know but it's more fun to come in the moment because i was thinking about the autobiography and i was just we sent like, the plan but not the contract and i was like no you sent it to me but these things they get on my mind like for ages and then sometimes like that's not a good answer or i like, think of some witty answer it just has to be some cool name i was just thinking about like latin maybe latin translations for something like oh i don't know it has to highlight something i guess like uh the boy who read too many books or something like that. I don't know. Just like that's all right. That's pretty good. The boy who read too many books. That sounds like uh, yeah, the boy who cried wolf, <laughs> like that thing, that story. Yeah, I always used to say. I remember at fan bites, like we had that like Snapchat interview when you first joined, don't you? Yeah. And I remember someone. I think Tim asked me that question, and my first response was started from the bottom. Then we hit. Yeah. <laughs> and I know Hamish hates that like uh, saying yeah, I'm trying to think of something original but there's so many like quotes from like music I could have gone with but no with autobiography I would I guess w- one thing would be like you'd have an autobiography if it was a biography it would be your name <laughs> um, but no it's hard it's very hard I like get aut- plenty yeah get plenty that's just a, that's another brand that's another logo we roll with <laughs> that's more of like a just a that came up through just friends that's a Reading base name that's all that nickname thing um yeah autobiography hmm. it's hard because my life hasn't finished yet hopefully (laughs) we've got got some time to make up that story you can pause we can go into the second question let's go next one man i messed it up sorry (laughs) the next question is what's next for you i think in light of kind of recent recent knowledge and recent understanding it was like i said programming building a building products i really want to kind of look into i said natural language is like being very specific like natural language processing is kind of an area that i have a lot of interest in so i'm trying to get so a bit of uni stuff out the way probably look into kind of like look into chatbots as such and kind of the understand the processes behind those um what's that to me i'm always kind of building on what's gone before and trying to just get better every day like that's always something to the constant improvement and wherever kind of my skills take me or something takes my interest as long as i have the ability and skills to kind of take on a challenge i will take it on but um we are as i said i'm always trying to just try new things and go forward with it with it but we're in a good place right now like life is good drake and future kind of thing (laughs) working on the week i knew that i didn't know that i didn't know that yeah so you know actually like a a couple months ago i mean when the lyric came out, um, I haven't paid my taxes on two times because I still hadn't done mine. So I was just like, that's literally me right now. So that's that's kind of where it is. Like we co, we build on, got good people around me doing interesting things and we try and, like I said, make something from that. Um, but everything, the show will go on. The show has to, the show has to go on. That's your autobiography name there, right there. Yeah, yeah the show must go on. Third question, this question we ask every guest. And that is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? Oh man! And we're not talking about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about like actual third wheeling. Ah, uh, do you know what I get? 
I mean, now that I've, I've been single like for quite a while now, so like, but it's always been a thing. Like I've just, third wheel is just a natural, it's a bit like a, a, like a football player. Like he's a center back, so he plays a center back or he's a striker, so he p- plays that position. Third wheel, third wheeling for me, like I'll, I'm- It's your position. I'm comfortable with <laughs> position. You know what I mean? That is somewhere I found myself very often. It's only Same. like, even if like, I, like in the past I've had a girlfriend, but then with mates, I will still be third wheeling. Then also friends and stuff because of like the, my interest in maybe reading books on relationship, I will naturally be drawn in as kind of maybe like a relationship counselor or some, some <laughs> intermediary to settle their beef or whatever. So- You'll be drawn into an actual like argument. Yeah, like I'll be in the middle of you asking like, oh, what, oh, what about this, what about that? Um, Third wheeling experience, but I've had a lot. I mean, most, I guess, yeah, most recently, I guess. I mean, I with a lot of friends, it's always like, it's always a third wheeling experience, right? If there's girls involved, it's probably, I will be the third wheel. That's the situation. But I, I don't mind it. I quite enjoy it. People look at it as a bad thing. I quite like it. I quite looking, I quite like observing other people's relationships. I mean, we built a brand of it, but. Yeah. <laughs> like observing the relationship, learning from it, maybe. Yeah, learning from it in particular. I think one of the most recent things I've learned from like a third winning experience is that, um, yeah, money, money can't buy love. (laughs) Can't buy love, man. It can can buy attention, it can buy a lot of things, but deep love, nah, money don't do it. So gotta be careful, man. Uh, The next part is kind of like a call out for someone you would like to nominate to come on as a future guest to the third wheel. Do you have someone in mind? You can have multiple people as well. Just why we have no one in Someone you think would be good. I think you know. You should speak the point. Like if we're carrying on a bit of this fan bites theme, there, I say interviewing Ambrose. Ambrose, like I think, like, is the co-founder at Fan Bites. But like particularly for me, like I said, like that's someone who I kind of hold in high regard as someone who I've asked a lot of questions of. In that case, and also someone Aaron knows as well who kind of for me personally like has served as a lot of like as a mentor in that case but also i think someone who like we have a uh, said aaron and i both kind of know yeah he's, he's, lily was like in between choosing you or ambrose yeah no it's hard i mean fair play i respect for that actually that being a kind of a choice to make but no certainly ambrose um as one of the smartest people i know has helped me a lot in kind of showing me kind of a different light um let's say co-founder fan bites and yeah, he's helped me in multiple ways, including like, for example, I don't think I would be in a position I'm in if it wasn't for kind of his guidance in a lot of areas. So yeah, that's really um, nice. That's kind of like a testament, right? Um, me showing kind of my, my gratitude in this case, but also I think in terms of things to say as well, he has some very useful like bits to share. Yeah. And he likes Jay Huss. Because <laughs> he asked me that when he interviewed me. <laughs> um Okay, last bit is a shout out. So each one of us can shout out something. It can be uh, yourself, your own project, a restaurant, something you've bought recently. Yeah, pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, of course, I think oh, it's going to be a bit self self promotion. Of no, course, no, that's good. Of course, like Summy is there, like www.thesummy.com. That's obviously where the articles are. You can get the link to the podcast. Um, Summy is S U M M I. Because people sometimes, you know what I mean, get a bit confusing. Yeah. Add a wide there. Or what. <laughs> no, um, no, go check it out. Yeah. Links yeah. will be in the description. Links in the description. But yeah, that's where you can find a lot of the stuff I've worked on and maybe future stuff will be arriving soon. <laughs> Keep an eye out. Yeah, man. Hamish, anything? 
Come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to on the I've already given it a shout out before on the topic of books, the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um it's on it's on Summy as well. <laughs> yeah, it's on Summy. Yeah. Uh, so even more so. Uh yeah. like one of the few books I've well, hopefully by this time I've actually read it yeah. and finished oh. it. So <laughs> uh yeah, go check that out. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys, for Sweet. having me on. Mr. Hamish's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my shout out is going to be for that album called Brixton by Sneakball. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah. quite Like, that's come out a while ago. Yeah. But I just wanted to shout True out. Love. Yeah. Every, every episode, he shouts out some album or something. Yeah, but to be honest, a lot of people, apart from like certain close friends, they wouldn't have heard my music anyway. So, like, yeah, they want to go listen to it after. Fair play. Okay. Well, thank you, Alec, for yeah, coming on much, and Alec, for hosting. Pleasure. Yeah. Shout out to Liam. Yeah, shout, shout out to Liam. Mm-hmm. I'm running the cameras, yep. making sure everything's in check. Obviously, Liam's my guy. Mm-hmm. He works on the Summy project as well. Um, we'll find a way to link wherever the video is going to be. <laughs> yeah, if you want a video, like there'll be stuff probably going yeah. on my LinkedIn as well. Um, <laughs> video, po- the podcast, they know they know where to get the podcast. Yeah. Spotify, yeah. you're on Apple People know, people well. know. People Everywhere know. mine is SoundCloud. This, this guy's is- a big name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This thing is going to blow. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it and learned something from it. And we'll catch you next episode. Let's see you. Have a good day. See you. Bye. Waking up and